The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor, strength, and body you are looking for in that moment. When you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar, the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch. Simple, yet substantial. Tobacco, talent, time. Romacraft tobacco. The after show, the after show, the, the after, after show. show. Great <laughs> intro of the after show. Is, is the intro great? Do you want to change that at all? I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah? He wrote it. <laughs> yeah, you wrote it? He wrote yeah. it. Oh, all right. That's why it was so We good. went back and forth for two weeks. All right. Beautiful. Then, then Beautiful. like an entrepreneur, I'm like, look, I'll just do this myself. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want it done right. But he did do the hip-hop violin yeah. thing, which was pretty dope. Yeah. But, you know, that uh, hip-hop violinist was hired by um, Tom Brady to do that piece, and they never took it. That was oh, dope. So we got Tom Brady's. Yeah. Yeah, he, he never And now I just him. want his ex-wife. That makes that introduction the goat, the greatest well, of dude, all the time. Well, gr- dude, the girl that was chasing him down at, as he was getting divorced, he was smoking hot, too. Yeah. The, uh, the well, model. he's Tom Brady. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's Tom Brady. So uh, the whole idea of the after show was to talk after the show. We immediately went into after talking after the show was over, and Jonathan wasted got all. <laughs> Jonathan, you wasted it. It's all great it. stuff. It's, Did yeah. you take notes? No. He didn't no. take notes? Yeah. No, he we, only takes he, notes from one guy. And you can't do it again. It has to be... It has to. That's not true. You've emailed me stuff, and it's been awesome. Yeah. So uh, one story uh, you told me that I actually laughed out loud uh, is that it turns out that there was a missing ashtray in Nicaragua that that just disappeared out of a restaurant, and you ended up telling me the story of it. I thought it was very interesting. So how about sharing that story with us? Yeah, so I, I, when I was early in Nicaragua, I used to eat at the same restaurant like three, four times a week at Terraza Colombiana. And the owner is this smoking hot Colombian lady. And so that's part of the reason of the allure of the restaurant. Sure. So, um, Food's terrible. But. <laughs> yeah. So, so I go and eat there uh, all the time, three times a week. And, and um, one time we had this waiter, and he's kind of, you know, he speaks a little bit of English. He's one of these little hustlers, and we kind of blow him off. And um, I remember... The being one of them big square ashtrays, and, and there were, and we had to move it to a chair because they come out with these huge, huge tablets. You could smoke and stuff. while you were eating dinner. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, in a lot of ways, Nicaragua is is freer than America. Yeah, absolutely. But. So, um, uh, so the the next day, it was like a, 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 a two days later on a Saturday. The waiter comes to the factory, and we're working on Saturday. And me and Esteban are sitting there, and he comes in. And he goes, "Hey, do you remember when you were in the restaurant?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's Remember there were two ashtrays. I was like, well, I remember there was one ashtray. He goes, well, no, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One was missing. I'm like, okay, what are you getting at? And he says, well, one of the ashtrays is missing, and I'm going to lose my job if, if you don't replace it for me, and I need $100 to replace this ashtray. I'm like, well, first of all, it's a $3 ashtray. <laughs> Second, anybody will give you one. And third, you're, you know, are you accusing me of stealing the ashtray? He's like, well, there were two. And I'm like, no, there was one. And I said, get the fuck out of here, you know. So Esteban's like, man, this is a problem. He goes, um, 
this guy, this guy is basically calling you a thief. He's going to ruin your name. And I'm like, I don't care about this. He goes, no, it's your name. You got to protect your name. So we get in the car and we go up to the, to the restaurant and tell the lady what happened. And she goes, oh, I'm so embarrassed. She goes, don't worry about it. It went missing on Friday. You were here Thursday. You know, this guy's just a problem. I'm so embarrassed. You know, next time you come in, I'll give you a bottle of wine. I'm like, no, I just want to make sure you knew that I didn't take an ashtray. <laughs> so Sunday, the next day, I get a text from Pete Johnson because there's always drama, right? So Pete says, uh, you know, it's a text. It says, I'm, you know, this is Pete from Tatooine. He's like, oh, what, I can't know who you are. He says, uh, there's a rumor, and this is verbatim, like there's a rumor that you or someone in your party took a My Father ashtray. Imagine a, in a, another country, this, yeah. this little crappy ashtray. So this is from Los Angeles. He's, he's texting wow. me. Wow. So I'm like, well, first of all, I hope you know I didn't steal an ashtray and, and whatever. Or yeah. I can't believe we're having this conversation. Right? <laughs> right, if you right. wanted an ashtray, you could just ask him and he'd give you one. Exactly. And why, I don't know, I wouldn't want a My Father. I don't know why I would want a My Father. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so, um, so we go, Esteban's like, oh, this is a problem. We got to go see her again. So we get back in the car. We go wow. up to the restaurant. And this is like five days of my life. So <laughs> I go back to the Did restaurant. Did you at least eat each time you went back to the restaurant? <laughs> so she says, she says, I'm so sorry I'm embarrassed. She goes, I'm going to be completely honest with you. There never was a missing ashtray. I just wanted to get rid of that employee without problems, and this was the way I was going to do it. She goes, I, I, I'm sorry you got caught up in this. And so Esteban's like, you got to go talk to Papine and explain to him. Because he's mad too because you provided well, because, the ashtray? Because my father, uh, because Pete's <laughs> calling us, and, and of course, everybody in the factory is clearly, you know, I'm, I'm stealing Everybody's ashtrays. in on this. So <laughs> The ashtray thief of so Nicaragua. She, <laughs> so she goes and sees Papine, then she comes and sees us, she, and we're like, what happened? She goes, I walked in. She said, I'm here to talk about the ashtray. He goes, what are you talking about? I've got 100 ashtrays. Do you want one? She goes, no, no, no. Um, someone said Skip Martin stole an ashtray from my restaurant, and it's not true. He goes, who the fuck is Skip Martin? <laughs> you, know, you know, and I'd been in SLE for five years, but I, I stick to myself. So anyway, finally, um, you know, I texted Pete, and I said, hey, just so you know, she went and talked to Pepin. He loved seeing her because everybody loves seeing her. Um, just so you know, the lady said there never was a missing ashtray. You know, it was all a made-up thing, just so, so you owe me an apology, whatever. Talk so, about drama for nothing. <laughs> this is the most nothing drama. So I don't hear about this for, for years. And then, like, two or three years later, we're in Germany. And we're at this table with the Schuster family, and Papine's there with his whole clan. And he gets his Lifetime Achievement Award, and everybody's standing ovation, and, you know, whatever. So after the whole thing's over, he's walking away from the table with his family, and I stop him because he's right next to me, and I say, hey, if you have a minute, in my horrible Spanish, I basically say, you know, I want to tell you a story. I remember my first trip with Mike before we started making cigars, there was a cigar festival, and in this cigar festival, Piro Sabor, they included employees from the factories. There was a big party in the park. There were um, employees from every factory, and they had a, a band and everything, and then in between, they had a beauty pageant where a woman from every factory wearing a dress made of tobacco came to the stage. And so the Placencia lady came to the stage, and everybody from Placencia was yelling for her. Then the Drew Estate lady came to the stage, and, and the employees from Drew Estate were yelling. So, but I'll never forget that when the, the My Father girl came to the stage, all of the employees were cheering from every, from every factory. Yeah. And I said... I had turned to someone and said, why, why are they all cheering for my father? And they go, because he's one of them. He's one of them. And yeah. they view him that way. And that's why they support that factory. So I said, I'll never forget that. The, 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 
the pride that the, all of these employees had for you. And I was trying to basically tell him, you know, that meant a lot to me, and yeah. I try to take care of my people the same way. He's, you know, he probably understood 10% of what I said. Thank you very much. And then he came, when he's walking away, he turns to Jenny and he says, who was that? And she goes, the guy that stole the ashtray. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's who he is right. in Nicaragua, the guy right. who stole the ashtray that never was missing. Right. The craziest stuff, huh? Yeah. And, and you let it go and of you just got to deal with it. And that takes a lot of strength and character. <clears throat> I see what you did. You there. see, I'm throwing it to you. This is the throw thing, but he, whatever. I, I was busy. Yeah. It came about seven minutes early. I'm smoking a Neanderthal now. So. Do you like, we is that, is that your favorite size, or do you like the HM better? He likes the Hawks D. Hawks D. I do, but these yeah. are not always available, and right. sometimes you need a little bit more. Right. So we're, we're smoking the Intemperance still, the uh, Volstead which is going to be available today, Wednesday. Yep. Is that right? Yep. On twoguyscigars.com. 12 noonish. 12 noon? Yep. Uh, so that you're listening to the show now, hopefully on Wednesday. Don't wait till Thursday. No. So hopefully you listen to the show on the right day because they're not going to last. Uh, and you can get a pack that will include that. That's all there right on twoguyscigars.com. Where is it? Right on the uh, Right on the rotator. Right the first, the... first image, you'll click that. It'll take you to the page. All right. Dave, so, do you know why I love the Neanderthal so why? much? It has a lot of strength and character. There it is. It's time for incredible feats of strength. Brought to you by Camacho Cigars. For six decades, Camacho have been working hard to build the best damn cigar around, and they have gotten through it all by sticking to their vision. The strength to do anything they set their hand to. Camacho Cigars. And I have with me the top 17 jobs that it takes strength and character to keep. We are down to the wire. Down to number three here, uh, with an average salary of $93,000. The number of people that are airline pilots in the U.S. tops at 37,000. It's airline pilot. An airline pilot? Takes a lot of strength and character to keep that job. I don't think so. Huh. You can't drink, but it pilots, basically drives itself now, right? Pilots don't just get you to the tropical beach destination you've been longing for. They face a slew of challenges in the process. Being responsible for all of the lives on board a flight, they must know every last detail of how a plane operates, have the ability to navigate through tough weather, stay in constant contact with air traffic control, and in extreme situations, have the skills and temperament to make emergency landings. In addition, they get blamed when a flight is delayed, occasionally have to deal with unruly passengers, work unpredictable schedules, and face stiff competition for their job. Jonathan... You know who was an air traffic controller? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I would say somebody working in a submarine would be much more... A lot of strength and character for them. Which was you, Skip, not on the list. (laughs) You worked in a submarine. I did. And underwater for long periods of time. Right. Tough. (laughs) No smoking. No, uh, no. We had a senior chief that would smoke into the the CO two burner because he was a fiend. Because <laughs> he had to. Yeah, cigarette smoke ahead. Yeah, he could smoke one cigarette and one puff. You know, that kind of guy. <laughs> How long did you do that for? I, well, most of it was school. I went to nuclear power school, and then I was actually on a boat for about two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Skip, does it bother you when people say nuclear? 
No, very no. little bothers me. But that yeah. bothers me a lot. <laughs> like, read it. Yeah. There's no other you. There's just the one in there. So how do you tolerate me? I don't know. He barely does. <laughs> uh, you don't often talk about nuclear things. Nuclear. Yeah, but yeah. like the uh, the boot camp company I was in was about uh, about seventy five guys, and they, because we were grouped, most of us were going to nuclear power school. Out of my boot camp class, uh, more than half dropped out before the dark side of power school, which is the classified side. Um, because it, it's mostly really hard math and chemistry and stuff. And then when we got into the actual engineering part, uh, another 30% oh, dropped uh, out. Then you go to prototype, which is you're actually running the reactor, so it's mechanical and practical. And I think of, of the 75 guys, only three of us made it through. Wow. And so we still stay in touch. So it, the attrition rate of nuclear power school used to be, not anymore, because now they've made it easier. Um, but when Rickover's rules were in place, Admiral Rickover... Um, it was more attrition than butts, more than the the, the Navy Seal School. Wow! Well, five yeah. percent. Did you know that uh, Rick Over spoke at my college graduation? I he, bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that he was a mean dude, man. <laughs> he looked mean. Yeah, I was hung over, but he looked mean. I never met him. I never met him. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I wasn't around then. But um. all right. So we got about ten minutes left on the show. What should we talk about? You got to ask Mike a, a story or a question. I don't. I don't really have stories. I'm not. A, I'm, that's a, he's not a thief. <laughs> not at all. No. No. The uh, no. I, I think at the you know kind of going back to the the, the theme of this uh, the podcast is what like what do manufacturers talk about? You know, we kind of yeah. Um, which which kind of leads into kind of how did we started because it's kind of this evolutionist conversation. Um, you know if. Do you get? Let me ask this question. Do you get many people that come in here that that are not attending PCA or or IPCPR or whatever, and try to sell you cigars? Like, can I make an appointment? You don't know me. I'd like to try to sell you cigars. Dave, mostly the Ed, who's our buyer, okay. that has to deal yeah, with. Dave's with been with in the mostly. same meeting since 1985. Yeah, you know Dave, what? I, Dave's I do, not allowed to take those meetings after the guy came in and cried. Yeah, and then you and bought, bought his cigar. So I've been to a lot of things over the years. <laughs> what I, what bothers me is actually at the trade show when I'm sitting down for breakfast or something, and somebody's selling me, and I say, "I'll go over to your booth," and he says, "I don't have a booth." So there, there's a name for that, or whatever they carpet baggers. Yeah, that they they never buy a. The booth at the trade show, which is supporting the trade show, and here I am, and I go, I can't can't buy from you. I can't. I don't even want a sample. It's not right that somebody else is paying to be here and and doing it and supporting the whole organization, and here you are just trying to hand me a sample. I don't even want the sample. Oh, can I send it to you? I said, of course. Uh, But, you know, they figure they'll just get a hotel room and just walk the show or be on somebody's trade show floor, and that's happened. I've been in somebody else's booth, and they pull me aside. I go, well, where are they? And they go, no, no, I have in my bag or something. Mm. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike and John spend more time talking retailers out of doing business with us than they try yeah. selling people, you know. No, I mean, I think, I think the, the initial conversation usually is, you know, hey, you know, what ends up happening in the, in the whole scheme of things is, you know, I, I've traveled around the United States and I've visited, you know, either up and coming stores or brand new stores, existing stores. I've seen them all, right? So, you know, you immediately kind of walk in and you know, based on the inventory that's there, kind of like whenever you know you can count what the, you know, how many rollers are and the production sure. they're doing. The same thing applies to, to retail, right? So you can look at like what's on the shelf. Are there empty boxes? Are they spread out? Or are they condensed? Do they have a, you know, can you see the, the back stock, right? Can you quickly kind of add up the back stock, right? 
Um, and then you kind of know based on that how many turns they're doing, and you can kind of calculate real quick like what the store is doing on an annual basis, right? And also the brand selection that they have. Sure, if you see absolutely. it very top heavy to yeah the big the big sure. four, let's say or whatever, and yeah. you don't belong there. Would you say? Sure. Well, yeah. it goes back to you know the TAA guys that check all the boxes. You know, some of them are really good at at having a good mix of products. Yeah. Right. Some so, of them are not though. Sure. There's there's some they, of them. They get. Uh, they get a um, oh TAA. They, these are the best retailers. They're not. Not all of them. No. 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 And and so you know we have to kind of decipher. Okay, um, based on what you know, how they interact with other reps, because the 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 the, the second level of that is you know the in house guys will you know they all get together. They have the same kind of community that at at you know so it's like. You know whether it's uh, CLE or or Ashton or whatever, like we all kind of communicate anyways, yeah, right? They stay at the same hotels yeah, and sure. same routes. So so then then there's a um, what you're trying to do is 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 okay. Um, how do they treat them, and what's the expectations that mm. they have, right? So um, and, and then you kind of decipher, okay, do I need do I need that headache or do I not, right? Or do I see value in being in this location? So you kind of start off with like one store that you think. You know, our our kind of philosophy has always been based off the blue ocean strategy, right? So instead of kind of competing in the the murky waters, the dirty waters with shark infested waters, you know, can you get a mid tier, uh, up and coming store like Riverside in in Jeffersonville or Indiana, um, that that you know is doing five to seven hundred thousand dollars kind of annual basis that will be a million dollar store, and can you help him grow his business to get over that hump, right? Mm. And so. Because that generational guy um, is going to be the, you know, when I'm a little bit older, will be, you know, what TAA is just at, at a different time slot. Right? Do you look at their location to say they got a, yeah, they have a good. Yeah, you try to keep them separate and try to give some. some but but their location as far as they're, they're in a good spot and they're going to grow because they purchased sure. a great location. I, I don't think so. I think cigar stores are destinations most case. I mean. Being in the right place can get you a lot of volume. Like my store, when I had one in Galveston, got me a lot of tourists and stuff like that. Okay. But, but it didn't allow me to really because nobody's. It didn't, there was only a certain small population. It wasn't going to allow me to, to build return core customers. Um, but you know the, there are retailers that you know, don't understand cigars. They don't have the capital. They're just hobbyists that left your store and decided they're going to open another store, and you know they're not going to be in business. Uh, they struggle. They those guys are like easy pickings for the big brands. They just want to dump a lot of product right. on them, right, and treat them special. And then there's the really big guys. Like we don't sell to Abe, and Abe is an excellent retailer, excellent retailer. But his model doesn't really work for us because he because he kind of depends on discounts and promotions and spiffs and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so we because all of our money's in the tobacco and in the quality, and we don't have the money and the price to give you a lot of promotional stuff. Um, he's just not a, because the way he runs his business doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes they connect. just don't matter. I, I've right. been, I've had that conversation with other manufacturers too. I go, I'm not the right store for you. And right. it's not right. Well, so if you had a, a high volume bar, for example, right. So we have a, we have a, a retailer in Arizona that, that started off super heavy boutique. And then, uh, was it fortunate enough to to build a business that is attached to uh, the same location where the the Arizona Cardinals is at, right? So they moved over there. They built a beautiful store. They added a bar, and then all of a sudden, 
the volume of business that they have in the nighttime doesn't allow for the hand selling of the boutiques. Yeah. Right. So they've had to shift their business to, you know, the Macanudo Hyde parks and, you know, Monty whites. What, Cause you know, at nighttime, there's so many people in the store that they, they can't, Oh, here's a Roman craft. You might like it. This is what the flavor notes yeah, are. Right. You know, you just can't, you don't have you time for that conversation. Thing, right. And it's just the, the big ask for a name right. or do they not want to carry a good value cigar to begin with? They would rather try to sell a twenty dollars cigar, sure. just because it's twenty dollars, and they'll pay. Right? You know, I mean, I, I think that you know, there's there's a segment of this market that that you know, look at our products and go, well, how good could it be for twelve dollars or ten dollars, right? And well, so, there's some retailers that say, why would I sell a, an eight dollars cigar when I could sell a twenty dollars cigar, right? And so, there's manufacturers that have that model where their price is artificially inflated because they're going to work the same amount to pitch a store and get into a store. So why not make the money up front? Yeah, but if you're, buy if, one you're, buy two. if you're charging, you know, X amount of dollars over, you know, if you're in that twenty dollars price point, then then you have all you should and economically you should be able to say, okay, I'm going to send a rep out there and he's going to help work your humidor and and oh by the okay, I'll send you a bunch of shirts and some hats and the cutters and the lighters and the whatever because you. You're paying this much money for the cigar. Yeah. But you, you know what's interesting is, speaking to what we talk about, if you listen to a lot of the podcasts, uh, or, you know, so much of the chatter and the discussions is about inside baseball, about the business, about, you know, what's going on at the trade show or what's going on. And, and there are consumers that like that piece of it because it gives them a kind of. The a, manufacturers do, though? No, the, blog, the, okay. the, the, the media. Yes, yes. And so it kind of gives you an idea behind the curtain. So really, kind of, a lot of these media guys are like your, your person who's inside the, the, behind the curtain is giving you a view from the other side. But we really have shifted a lot away from consumer. Because in, in, after the boom in the 90s, around, around 2000 or so, the focus really went back to what kind of consumers are there? What are they buying? How do I make products to, for these consumers? How do I get them? Because they're not buying boxes anymore. They buy singles. They, you know, how do you get them to, to, you know, to work with our brand and support us? Some people like Viaje have gone to this kind of you know, unlimited, this limited cigars all the time model. I don't think it worked. Well, I mean, th- different things work for yeah, different people, yeah. for different retailers. But the, the thing is, is that I think as an industry, we've gotten away from consumers because the, the conversations that don't happen as often, people like Mickey and I talk, uh, Hector Alfonso from Espinosa, uh, Jack Tehran, these kind of people, they talk to us about the consumers. Like how, Mike has been really on this thread of what has happened after COVID is the guys who used to show up the shops and buy boxes at events are not the guys he's going back to these shops and there's different guys there. Now. Completely different people. Yeah. And, and so the consumers have shifted a little bit, but I think we're, we're really kind of ahead of this wave that's coming, which is there's 400 and something million cigars a year coming in, which is way bigger than the I boom ever was. Right. But the thing is, I don't think consumers are consuming as much. I think, there are a lot of collectors out there that have these tupadors full of cigars <laughs> and, and other stuff. Well, it gets to a point where it's too full. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when the bust happens. That's right. when it happened in 97. Well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of these guys don't smoke like we smoke. Mm-hmm. You know what well, I mean? Of like, course. Like they just, it, it's, you know, if you go into, you know, the golfers and, and the weekend warriors that go out and, and whatever, but I mean, you know. They're the majority, though. Sure. You know. Yeah. But I know you sit in there and go, okay, I know my consumers. And what do my consumers need to keep engaged, to yes. keep, 
you don't want it to disappear. Yeah. You don't want to, like, I used to all the time be like, dude, you got to slow down. You can't be spending this much money. I would rather you be, because your wife is eventually going to cut you off, and you're going to be <laughs> one of these guys that's not smoking cigars anymore. Yeah. And so part of curating your customer set is really about understanding your customer. And I think a lot of manufacturers don't know cigar consumers anymore. And in and, and the listening post that they had, which is the blogs and the media, don't talk about the consumers so much anymore. They listen to these guys as if they were the consumer base, and they're not. They're not, right. And, and these guys mostly talk about um, what they like in, in inside baseball about inside the industry. Baseball, yeah. Let, let me ask you this, back on full circle into what the manufacturers talk about. Are manufacturers talking about the bloggers and the podcasts? All the time. They always talk about it, really. Yeah, because, because so much of the discussion is around the inside baseball. Like, you know, somebody will have a... Uh, you notice on, the, on a lot of these podcasts now, it's like this uh, incestuous, like, they're not really doing manufacturers so much anymore or doing things that are consumer-focused. They're interviewing each other Ch- yes, a- I, I about what's going on in the industry. Yes, you know? yes. It's become really, in, you, you always use the 80-20 rule when you're going to, you know, 80% of your um, sales come from 20% of your customers. It seems like in the blogosphere, we're down to 3 to 5% of the general population. They skew toward fuller-bodied cigars like Barry and I and Ed Sullivan Smoke. And the industry really is eighty percent of what Dave smokes. Well, I can tell you a difference. Like when Ed and I and we were when we were on uh, Alt Dot Smokers Dot Cigars, mm-hmm. um, back way back when I was just a fucking a newbie consumer, just consuming everything. The almost all of the discussion was a product based discussion. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, about, it wasn't people. Yeah, because it didn't exist. By the way, the. It, the manufacturer never showed up. The, the key owner of the manufacturing never showed up at a, somebody's cigar store. Rocky kind of invented that. Yeah. But, but you, you'll remember the discussions were about, well, what do you think about cigars coming out of this factory? And this was mm-hmm. the very tip-tip. And no one knew anything about factories. Right. But, you know, someone like Saka would come in and say, well, that's Villazon. And that's, yes. you know, and they would go, okay, they also make this brand and, you know, whatever. But it was all, and then what that, that sounding board was, was how do we stay away from spending money on shitty cigars? Right. Because there was a lot of them on the market. And, and we would be like, hey, you got to check out this cigar before someone figures it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was all product-based. And anyone who was, you as a retailer, participating or listening in that conversation, first of all, if you tried to sell them something, they wanted to. It happened to me. <laughs> they wanted to kick <laughs> yeah, you out. It was bad. But if you were, li- you were listening going, these are the guys that are going to buy cigars for the next 30 years. Yeah. And, and they, I, they have been. I know a lot of them to this day. And the thing is, we're not building cigar smokers like that anymore. Right? Like, I don't want to give you a whole bullshit story about how special and magical the tobacco I use is. But, but I do, if you're a very engaged consumer, I want you to understand, like, the wrapper that we used on the Volstead, why we used it, and... and for me, why that made a difference. And then, then you're a little more engaged in the product and you're a little more educated. You may like it, you may not like it. That's completely okay with me. That's subjective. But what I want you, I want you to be informed, not with, with truth and with real realness, not bullshitted into the smoke right. and mirrors story. Because people do like a story. Mickey says this all the yeah. time. People love the story. But more than anything, at least consumers like me, I want to understand 
I don't give a shit about whether this guy likes this guy or, you know, whether the PCA is, whether Drew Estate's coming to the PCA or not. I don't give a shit about any of that because I'm a consumer. I can't go to the PCA. What the fuck do I care about whether Drew Estate yeah. goes or not? Well, think about last night with you getting up on the mic and you talked for maybe seven minutes and you could have gone another 10. That was a room of 50 people. And I know half of them personally. They don't shut the fuck up ever. And they were hanging on every word because you were delivering information, but more important than the information, which they're hungry for, it was something that you were passionate about and they latched onto your passion and were listening to every single word that you said. It's a group of people just like this group. These guys were all chatting downstairs. They're not, they're not quiet, but here they are sitting yeah. there listening. Well, it's like the discussion we had about the, the people in the prison making cigars. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like those kinds of things are interesting. It's because you, you understand the business a little more. And, and again, I, I don't really care. You know, like the story about the new um, uh, Christoph. Like, he, Glenn's one of the nicest guys, sure. right? And, until he gets pissed off. <laughs> but Glenn, See, the commercials work. Glenn, is, ge Glenn is generally one of the, the nicest guys. Yeah. I mean, especially if you get a few drinks in him. Yeah. But, but the thing about that, like that story doesn't really mean anything to me. Right? What I, when I hear that story, I think, yeah, but tell me about the cigar. Like, like I like Christoph's cigars. This is why I like it. Where, where is it made? Why, why did you feel the need to come out? So if you ask us about Volstead, I'll tell you. B.A. is Brazil Autopodaca. Good Brazil Autopodaca has always been hard to find, and now it's impossible to so find. So here's the answer, because what happened is with Cigar Aficionado, it became the next thing you know, you had Lido and Inez on a horse, and then you have Carlos and his, and his father in the tobacco farm. And all of a sudden, these cigar manufacturers became celebrities over and above their cigar. Instead of talking about the cigar or showing a big box of the cigar, it became the person. And now I'm seeing the switch off change. Scandinavian tobacco. Who's running Scandinavian tobacco? Who is the face of Scandinavian tobacco? The answer is nobody. Davidoff. Used to be Hanky Kellner. No Eladio before. Who's doing it now? Nobody knows who it is. They're getting away from it and said, let's concentrate on the cigar itself and not the person because we don't sell the person. And if we're not going to send that guy well, on the you road. Because you, as soon as you sell Eladio, Eladio goes and starts his own factory. Yes. So, <laughs> there it is. Right. But the thing is, is knowing who Eladio is. And what I love about the example of Eladio is I don't feel like Eladio got to make the cigars he wanted to make no, for either. all the years he was now a devil. Now he can. Now he can. But now this guy, him and his sons, are finally making the cigars they want to make. Yes. You've had his birthday cigars and stuff. Yeah, now. of course. They, yeah, unbelievable cigars. Yeah, I go, why but, don't you come out with it? How many times I said it to Davidoff? Why don't you come out with this? But, but the critical core point of all that is to say, some, today, today, a, a guy like me in 1993 is going to walk into a cigar store. And for whatever reason drew him there, he's going to buy his first cigar. And he's going to meet a guy like Jonathan. Oh, boy. And, and Jonathan is, is, you know, he's going to say, look, we're going to go on a journey that's going to take a while, but this is where we're going to start. And if you like it, come back. We'll go to the next step. If you like it, come back. And he's going to build that cigar smoker, and that cigar smoker is going to change, and the brands he does. But if all Jonathan wants to do is get a Garofalo, a box of Garofalos in his hand and get him out the door with extra margin, that guy, he may not ever become Skip Martin, right? Right. And I've bought easily easily two and a half million dollars worth of cigars in my life as a consumer as a consumer <laughs> right 
And so, uh, well, and millions and millions of tobacco. And, right. You know, the money, the economic activity that, that I personally have generated in tobacco world, personally, yeah. started with the guy at Pipe World in the Military Circle Mall that gave me my first Florida Oliva. And then the retailer that took me under his wing and made me feel special when I came in. Yeah. And then the, the, the guy who said, hey, do you want to come on this trip to Camp Camacho? Or do you want to come on this trip yeah. to Rocky Patel? And then getting on that trip and meeting, you know, Gustavo or someone that worked for Rocky who yeah. kind of communicated with me for years and taught me things. Uh, Oscar Valadares was the bus driver. Right. And now I'm buying tobacco from him. Sure. And we can sit down. And the, the point is, the point is that the culture built me as a cigar smoker. The, the, the culture built Ed, right? And, and we don't see that now. The culture built Barry. I don't see the next generation of... And, and the responsibility for that <clears throat> is us, the media, and the retailers. Right. And I will tell you, on all three fronts, we're failing. Failing. And we have to do better. The, the retailers have to be more engaged. Well, who did it in the first place on the last round? It was... Us as a community and Altsot smokers, it was the old school retailers and their staff. It was fellow smokers. And you know what helped at that time? You couldn't Google stuff. Right. Right. So there was no self-education. So well, no, right. you look um, at some of these companies that have kind of gotten to this TikTok drop, cigar drop stuff. Right. It's like, you know, how are you going to build a community with that? Yeah, it's sort of become the fashion of cigars, sure. right? What's in vogue right now? Well, and that happened in the boom, but a lot of those guys disappeared. Oh, ninety <laughs> percent of them, were. right? And, and I guess the the moral to that story is: is what are manufacturers talking about to other manufacturers? What we need to be talking about is how do we build more cigar smokers? Right. It, goods, not not ones that fall for bullshit. Like the guys that are out there constantly telling you these fantastical stories about magic tobacco and their, <laughs> their amazing God-given talent of blending in their fingers, right. they're doing a disservice to the long term. Yeah. Because the guy who's doing that, and not to mention any names, but you know who I'm talking about. Exactly. The, guy, the guys who do that are not building, they're building guys who buy into and smoke their cigars. Which for, is all they care about. For some sh period of time. But they're not cultivating... The, the next generation of, you know, it's like uh, I read an article the other day that said the businesses that are failing because millennials don't buy their products. And it, it listed along things like millennials don't go to the movies, millennials don't go out to eat, millennials don't do this, millennials don't do that. They don't care about brands, whatever. And the whole article is blaming a generation of people because they don't consume the way they want them to consume. But that's the problem of the generation before. Because they didn't cultivate them. They didn't cultivate them as yes. informed. But they, they just consume in a different way. They don't go to the movies. They consume it on demand. If, you, if the movie doesn't come out in an on-demand platform, they're not interested. They'll just watch a different movie. Well, no. I think what ends up happening is, is you have these super consumers, right? They go out and they gobble up, you know, whether it's brand X or, or brand Y. They get as much as they can. And then it's like, okay, now I got, all the, I got it all. <laughs> Okay, now what's next? Like then, Pokemon, right? <laughs> Catch them all, and then they go to the next, the the next new thing, which is no longer cigars or bourbon or whatever, uh, right? So it just, you know, it's like, you know, once my bourbon collection is kind of okay, now I now I'm on to tequila, now I'm on to cigars, now I'm on to, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, that's usually what ha that's the run rate of the cigar because right. the the attention span is not is not and there. Then, and you got whole countries like that, China, 
Okay, sure. we're on cigars now. Yeah. yeah, we need them all. So, do you think oh, the yeah. the closest thing I could come to when I got into the cigar business, the boom was happening. It was the same time the boom of micro beer was happening. What's up with micro beer today? Are they falling into the same problem that we are as a cigar industry? And and we say a problem where we're importing more <laughs> cigars than we ever did before. Maybe we don't have a problem. I don't know. Well, again. You know, importing cigars is different than selling cigars yeah. that get smoked. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the the breweries that that got to know their customer and and educated them and and got them engaged authentically. They became Sam Adams, and then it was bought out by the bigger guy. So, <laughs> and then Alec Bradley gets bought out by the bigger guy, and and that's what happened with the beer industry. It's happening with the cigar industry too. Well, you used to stand in line to go get some of these beers. Right, it's like yes. oh, you know, so so uh, what's the one that drops on uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday? Yeah, the, like Dark Lord or yeah. whatever. So yeah. you go, you stand in line, you get a bottle or two, and then all of a sudden, now you can go into your local HEB or whatever it's called, you know, and it's they have rows and rows and rows of that beer now. So it's like you, it loses the the allure of of you know that that one thing that you you know going out with your friends, standing in line, yeah. you know. Dave doesn't do anything; he has to stand in line. Sure. But I, but I think the reason why you guys are number one. Yeah. Right. I think one of the reasons why you take all the ads and all that, because I can fast forward through all that. Right. As much as I love yeah, the donut. But the donut. most people don't. It's beautiful. Yeah. Singing but, songs and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> but what, what I really what I really like is, is that you guys aren't so much focused on inside baseball. Right. You're trying to you're trying to have an authentic conversation. Otherwise, why, why am I wasting two yeah. hours doing you, this? Inform them a, a little bit. And and we joke that we're, maybe you learned something, maybe you didn't or something, but not make it so much that like you're going to school, but there's information here, whether you know, know what to happen. <coughs> and you, if you can do it in, in, in a, um, a fun way where somebody can be entertained a little bit, they'll end up sucking it up or something. And I want to create the next customer. That was the whole idea of the show right. when it started. Okay, how can we get the next guy? Okay, the next generation are into podcasts. My regular audience, Mike customer didn't even know what a podcast was i'm obviously counting on the next generation but these segments you do like how does cigars taste different at different humidities yeah and, yeah like because the myth i would love to break is that all cigars need to be 70 70 right. because oh, that's absolutely not true of course i mean so in the the worst thing i find whether it's burn or construction or taste is that people smoke over humidified cigars? Hundred percent, right? And so that what you know, people send me questions all the time, like, "What should I humidify this at?" And I'm like, "When it smells right, it feels right, and it tastes right, it's right." Yeah, that might be sixty-two it, where you live. That might be seventy. I don't know because yeah. of the type of tobacco. It's a but, big problem up here in New England because we change the temperatures, change and humidity changes all year round, and there's not a good, good perfect way to be. Yeah, we used to say we used to say in the corporate world. Um, don't look at a service failure as a, a problem. Look at it as an opportunity to create engagement with the customer. Meaning, a customer comes and says, "Man, I bought this box of cigars. It doesn't taste right. It's burning wrong. It's unraveling." Okay, no problem. I'm going to give you another one, right? Because we're going to sell you. Yeah, take the pain point. We're going right to sell you four thousand cigars over the next right. Right? lifetime value. But here's the thing. I get an opportunity now to teach you how to cut a cigar properly. It's amazing how many people smoke cigars <laughs> who do not know how to cut a cigar properly. Yeah. It's amazing how many people don't know how to humidify. It's amazing how many people don't understand why the cigar is burning the way it is. And, and engaged, educated retailers 
are where that happens. You can't get that from your from your mailman when you get the box from no. CI. That is our best customer. Right. If they're educated and they, they understand that. And that's different than knowing it. the difference between does this blend have Criollo in it or Corolla. Right. It's like, what the fuck difference does that matter to you? You, you couldn't pick them out of a lineup. Right. But let me tell you why, why, what the difference is between the two and why it may make a difference. And so, uh, and what does Criollo mean and where does that come from? And, and you, give, zest. you give them little bits so they go, okay, Lemon now zest. I know a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think building better cigar customers should be our mission statement. You know, it should, be the, it should be the center of our education thing at the PCA. It shouldn't be how do you maximize your POS or whatever that bullshit mm-hmm. is. It's how do you hire and retain good people? Right. How do you train your people to build cigar customers? How do you maintain your inventory in a way... All those kinds of things. Yeah, it's what I would love, and that, that's how United Cigar was actually formed. It was, that was the only reason for it, but I couldn't get enough retailers interested to do that. That was the problem. Why did I join TAA? I was asked to join TAA. I didn't apply for it. I was asked to join, and I said, I want to go there. I'll be on the board, and I'm going to make it so it's educational and it's going to learn. And it started a little bit of it, and then it went right back to, no, we want to have a cocktail hour, and we want to right. uh, have some entertainment. Of- well, that's important, too. Yeah. You but know, I, I know it's not why I want to go. Right, I can, I can drink at home. I don't need to go <laughs> right. to to another country to go drink with these people. Whatever, uh, taking nothing away from them. And even at the trade show that's coming here, the entertainment that's going to be provided this year at the at the trade show is a is a medalist or mindless, you know, a guided mentalist, mentalist or whatever. <laughs> why? They're so the retailers are the poorest the they've ever been. One, the best one was John Taffer. He. Yeah. Fucking kick and, everybody's and, ass for that. And hour. listen, I the fought the bar rescue guy. Yeah, yeah, I fought for that. And the argument at the board of directors on that was, he's for bars. Why is he going to help us in the cigar store? I go, it's the same thing. What the hell's the I difference? I took yes. pictures of every slide. I still have them. Yeah. It was it was remarkable. But, but we've lost the thread. The culture has lost the thread. And COVID should be this period we went through should be a reset. Right, the the bad brands you you don't know it yet. There's Walking Dead brands. Oh, out there. I, I don't know it. I know they, it they, so well. They, 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 and in the cigar business, they don't bur- they don't burn out. They fade away. Yeah, yeah. There's a process of death and dying for cigar yeah. companies. I thought of doing an episode of of um, the graveyard, you know, <laughs> and uh, or on their way to the graveyard and stuff. And I go, nah, they don't need a nail in their coffin. I'd like to help them if they before they go down. But you can. It's so easily to see what. Where they're going, but the 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 bad retailers have are 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 going or gone. Yeah, and some good ones, sadly. Yes, the the the, the consumers that were kind of halfway engaged are gone. The 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 manufacturers that are making shitty cigars and and they're either being consolidated, eaten up, or or, or they're disappearing. And so there's all the con- environmental conditions are there for us to get back to a better place. We've just got to get the media on that page. We got to get retailers on that page, and and hopefully, if if people are, who have media are listening, Coop and these people, yeah, hopefully, they take it to heart and and they get back to um, real authentic engagement, yeah. and they start education. calling education, education yeah. instead of uh, guess who I know. Yeah, I would love. Uh, it's uh, become self promotion. I would love an educated media guy 
to, to like <laughs> to call bullshit on something in the middle of an interview and say, okay, hold on a second. This thing you just said about the magical tobacco. <laughs> Explain that to me because it, it, it's bullshit. Let's both agree it's bullshit. Tell me the real story. There's only people who are really, really, really interested in cigars or even listening to this. So tell us the truth. Yeah. You know, why do you use this for real? And, and, and tell us, you know, someone as educated, for example, Osaka, who knows as much as he knows, he could talk for two hours on something and make it sound interesting without bullshitting at all. Yeah. So why tell the bullshit well, story? I've, I've always said that. I, I go see their factory and the work they're doing. It's unbelievable, <laughs> everything they end up doing. And they add the bullshit to it. And I go, why would you do that? This thing is so amazing. Right. And then you got to add bullshit on top, which ruins the whole thing. Yeah. We could talk for two hours about the th- problems we have. And the things we like, our segundo rate, for example, has gone from from two percent to like seven percent. And in some cases, we have batches of cigars that are twenty five percent segundos. Part of it is because our criteria has changed. Because I'm like, people are going to be looking at us harder than ever. So I so I wanted every cigar that goes out there to be perfect. We weigh every cigar. We we do a lot of things. But the other reason is because. Um, of challenges we have in the supply chain, of challenges we have with, with employees, and challenges we have uh, with now that we're doing our own process, we're fucking some things up. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm not going to put it in a box and ship it, so I'll just eat it all. And I've, I've done that. <laughs> I'll call Mike and go, hey, you know this, or John, this, this 2,500 cigars that were on the thing, it's now 600 cigars. Because hmm. I'm basically sh- turning 20, you know, whatever, eight, 1,900 of them into Picadura because yeah. they're just, because we fucked this up. But you know what? So what will happen is if you, if you said, hey, let's say, you know, I called Skip. I'm like, hey, man, I got this problem and on, the, on the production side. Some of these guys, these other manufacturers say, so? You know what I mean? Like there's a, just, you know, would your, would your buyer, your consumer, would they really know that you made this change? A lot of them right? think that. A lot of them, like you said with the tobacco earlier, it's like a lot of them go, the consumer doesn't know the difference. Right. I've been told that, but when I, when I end up we finding would know. It out. We would yes, know. Yes, I end up finding out, and I'm bullshit over it. And it, it takes a long time to get a customer on something. Sure. And it's so easy to get them off. When someone comes to me with a problem, my first thought is, it's a handmade product, something could happen. It costs me nothing to get the retailer to replace it. I'll replace it to the retailer. I want you to have a good experience, and I want to do it the right way, even if there's a perception there. But what I really want to do is what I two things. One, I want you to fix whatever caused this problem. But two, um, I want to make absolute for certain that I know everything I did up chain from that did not deviate. If you know you put some kind of questionable things in a box. So, for example, we found a, a bug. We changed our fermentation process from, from pastillas or pills to this for, for safety, employee safety reasons to these sachet things. And it's the same chemical and it's the same process, but dialing in the quantity and those kinds of things has been a challenge. So we found evidence uh, of uh, a bug problem, which there's bugs everywhere. Sure. And you, you just constantly, it's a battle constantly. But we found actually in a finished cigar a bug hole, and that has never happened. And we actually had a live bug kind of crawl out on the table. So we went into a two-week thing of why is this happening? We brought the manufacturer of the fermentation in. What are we fucking up? Because we've never done, we've never fermented stored tobacco before because it was always done for us. Um, and, and for example, for, for two months, we had never f- frozen cigars, never. 
so for two months, we started putting our, all of our product we shipped through the freezers because I'm like, what, if someone in the, in, the, in the community says, hey, I found a bug hole in this Romacraft cigar, I want to know, okay, A, that's from this lot, so that was our bad. We're going to do everything we can to fix it. It should have never got out there. But second, now I know that there's nothing we're doing that, that contributed to that. When you cut a corner and then later on someone catches you on it, you can't say, honestly, I did everything I, do, I could to prevent that. And so we do everything we can to say, if you have a problem, it wasn't because we intentionally did something. Like, we didn't change the blend. We didn't not do something. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't our fault. It just means that we didn't intentionally do it. Of course. A lot of these guys were like, they'll change the blend, and then someone will say, hey, this tastes different. And they'll go, oh, you're imagining things. Right. And it's like, no, they're not. But you can't be honest because you, you changed it. Right. So but that we, goes back to having the discipline. Yeah. Right? Like, that's, that's, the, that's the thing that I think that, you know, it, in this industry, a lot of that's really kind of lost. Like, if a, retail, if a guy walks into a retailer and says, hey, man, I always buy Neanderthal HN. Why don't you have any? And they go, oh, well, fucking Romacraft. They got back orders. I've, I've got it on order. And then the consumer will message us. And I'll say, well, that's a funny thing. I've got it to ship right now. They haven't had it. So, yeah. so John will call the retail and goes, why did you tell this customer, that we, you know, last time I called you, you said you didn't need any. And so it's like, why doesn't the, re- the retailer just say, you know what, man, it's been tough this month. I didn't order like I was supposed to. Because they don't figure they're going to get caught, apparently. Right. Or whatever. Terrible. Right. Not good for anybody. And, yeah. and it doesn't contribute to better consumers. No. No. So that's what we got to do. That is it. That was the longest after show, but you guys own it. So uh, why not make it twice as long? Uh, thank you for uh, supporting the after show. Yeah, of course. Uh, and the Cigar Authority. And that's Skip Martin, Mike Rosales, Roma Craft Cigars. And uh, as I said, their, their new uh, cigar, the Vol- Volstead. Volstead, is available right now. Uh, you can go to twoguyscigars.com and check that out. So that is it. We'll see you Saturday uh, with Jose Dominguez and Carlos Guillamo on the Cigar Authority. And when you're not slamming your headset microphone down <laughs> on the table way too early, try sticking the lid end in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.